we're back again. It is after Christmas, Wednesday, December 29th. Hope you guys had a great Christmas. Hope everybody got what they wanted. Hope you had a safe and merry Christmas. Hope everybody's healthy out there. I know a lot of mess going around. It looks like we're back in the, uh, it's like the whole COVID thing is rearing its ugly head again with this new variant. Uh, you know, you don't want to make a light of it at all be safe guys just be safe out there and a lot of affecting a lot of it affecting the sports world a lot of the nfl uh, college bowl games you know i know that's not that big of a deal when it comes to uh, you know a human life but uh, i guess they're trying to stop the spread of it a lot of people upset <laughs> I, I mean i can understand what they're doing because you know you don't want it to spread but it looks like it's doing it already i mean it's it's not going anywhere right now but my thing is and i don't like to get political or anything and i'm not getting political here but i'm just talking about common sense if they are getting that worried about it why and believe me, I like seeing the NFL with a with a full stadium. But why are they still having all these people at NFL games? All these people at the other bowl games? Um, to me, that doesn't make sense. If you're going to call a bowl game out, and I know the teams, the members of the teams, members of the staff were tested positive for COVID, but if it's getting to become that big of a problem, and I think it's going to happen before long because I think, well, we've had some college basketball games postponed. Uh, NHL games are postponed. Of course, the bowl games, the ECU, Boston College, the military bowl was canceled. The NC State, UCLA, the holiday bowl was canceled. Um, and here's another, you know, don't get me wrong, NC State fans, you know, I know it's bad and all this, but and I had a talk with a friend of mine today about this. We were talking about the bowl game thing. And NC State claimed the win, the forfeit, and are calling a 10-game, 10 10-win 10 season. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. But everybody knows what happened in that game that you didn't play. But you, <laughs> I guarantee Dave Doran's got something in his contract, some kind of incentive in his contract for 10 wins. You think? I think so. I think so. I mean, I know it's important to get a 10. It's anytime you get a 10-win season, it's, it's great, but unless you're Alabama or somebody like that, and you're 10-2. and two. Um, You know, everybody knows. Everybody knows it was a forfeit. Got the trophy for it. I mean, come on. Anyway, yeah, the bowl games are in full effect. Uh, we've got this weekend is the first round of the college football playoffs. You've got Alabama-Cincinnati. And Georgia and Michigan. 
What do I think? I think it would be so, so cool, so funny if Cincinnati would come in there and and surprise Alabama. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Alabama's too strong for Cincinnati. I want, I'm pulling for Cincinnati because I'm pulling for the little guy. Um, you know, coming out of a, a conference that's not a Power Five conference and going to play with the big boys, and I would love to see Cincinnati upset Alabama, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, Alabama is just too strong right now for Cincinnati. And I, you know, Cincinnati, and I know Fickle has beat Saban before, but, you know, it's not Alabama-Cincinnati. It's not this year. Cincinnati's had a great year, and, and I can't keep harping on that. I would, how, I would love to see it happen. I would love to see Cincinnati just go in there. And, you know, if they get to the final two, to the championship game, would that be enough? And I'm, I know Cincinnati fans, you and, and, and the team, that that's not enough for you. But would that be enough to get attention to these some of these schools are not Power Five in Power Five conferences. Would it be enough to get them noticed if they go undefeated? Now you know all these non-Power Five conferences are getting rated right now by the Power, the power Five conferences, so there won't be much left. Um, but would that be enough to get? If they got to the championship game, I know if they won the championship game, it it would get other teams noticed. Maybe the the selection committee would be like, okay, well, maybe they're this year's Cincinnati. But if they got there, think about that. If they get to the championship game, would that be enough? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I, I really think that the powers that be didn't want this to happen. And they did everything they could to keep Cincinnati from being in that top four. But when it got to the end, there was no way they could deny them. I mean, they were undefeated. And that went over Notre Dame at Notre Dame when Notre Dame played played well the last half of the season in the top ten. So you couldn't deny Cincinnati after that. Um, my picks, Alabama... And, I mean, I know it's going to be boring picks. I do think Michigan's got a shot to beat Georgia. I think Michigan's on a roll right now. If I was picking an upset out of any of these, I would pick Michigan to beat Georgia. But I'm going Georgia. I'm going safe. I think Georgia and Alabama end up in the national championship game. And then we'll go from there with who I think is going to win the national championship game. We'll talk about that next week. But, um you know, bowl games, you, you get, like yesterday with the NC State game, I think it was four hours before the NC State game, it got canceled. You get your hopes up for some of them. And like uh, Clemson's playing right now. I think they're playing Iowa State. And I was surprised that happened. Uh, you you kind of get to a point now where you wonder, are they going to play or not? You know, because – 
I was really looking forward to the ECU game. I'm an ECU fan. Was looking forward to seeing it. I know there was a lot. There's a lot of upset people about it because Boston College had 42 players. I think it was 40 or 42 that couldn't go, and it's a question about whether it's all 40 or COVID related. That was a question at first. Then it came out some were COVID related, some had opted out. And some had entered a transfer protocol, the transfer portal, excuse me, which I think is a terrible, terrible thing right now. It's killing college sports because you, you can't – there's there's coaches. We talked about this last week. There's coaches that aren't recruiting high school players anymore. They're recruiting the portal. And like – I. I the same friend I talked about uh, with the NC State situation, he was talking about it too. He's like, you know, and there's kids that are listening to Dabo Sweeney talking to the Clemson head coach. It was talk about, well, they were talking to kids before they even entered the transfer portal, trying to talk them into it. So, you know, it's, it's brought a whole new dimension to recruiting. And these kids take a chance. When they enter that transfer portal, they give up a scholarship. They may not get another offer from another school. So they've given up their scholarship. And they've given up their college, pretty much you think their college education because they're counting on someone else picking them up. And, you know, it's a big risk. I think that I don't know what, the uh, the plus to it is now. I don't see a plus to it. If they want to transfer, keep it like it was. Let let them sit out a year, and then go. But now it's just like open season. You know, there were kids on some teams halfway through the year when their team's not playing well, and they didn't live up to the expectations. They entered the transfer portal. Halfway through the year. NCAA sports is dying a slow death. And if they don't get it under control, it's gonna be it's gonna be a joke. It's gonna be nothing for long. I hate to say it because I enjoy NCAA football. I enjoy NCAA basketball. March Madness. I enjoy watching some NCAA baseball. And I don't think it's affected baseball, not to my knowledge. I mean, I don't follow NCAA baseball as much as some others do. I don't think it's bothered the baseball as much as it has the other two sports. Main, the big three, I'll put it that way, not the just those points. But that's just my rant. And, uh, you know, people got their own opinions. Everybody's got one, and that's mine. All right, so we're get past that. We got to talk about some sad news. I don't know if you guys Christmas Eve got to watch the uh, Madden documentary. I still have not watched it. I've got it DVR'd, and it's been so busy. I'm barely getting this podcast in. This is like I'm recording this late at night. Right, I'm going to be past. I'm an old guy. I'll be past my bedtime when I do this. Um. 
that was just like when I saw that coming on, even my dad, who, who used to follow football a lot, and he follows it now, but he, he's not as enthusiastic as he was about it before. Um, that was just like, oh, Madden, the Madden documentary is getting ready to come on this week. I'm looking forward to that, and I was looking forward to it too. I, and I've, I've got to watch it. I've got to take the time to sit down and watch it. Uh, how ironic that and how sad that – Three days later, John Madden passes away uh, at 85. And I'll just, this comes from the Associated Press. John Madden, the Hall of Fame coach, turned broadcaster whose exuberant calls combined with simple explanations provide a weekly soundtrack. The NFL games for three decades died Tuesday morning. The NFL said he was 85. He said he died unexpectedly did not detail a cause. He gained fame in a decade-long stint as the coach of the renegade Oakland Raiders, making it to seven AFC title games and winning the Super Bowl following the 76th season. He compiled a 103-32-7 regular season record, and his 759 winning percentage is the best among NFL coaches with more than 100 games. But it was his work after prematurely retiring as a coach at age 42 that made him a truly a household name. He educated football nation with his use of a telestrator on broadcast, entertained millions with his interjections of boom and doink throughout games, was an omnipresent pitchman selling restaurants, hardware stores, and beer, and became the face of Madden NFL football, one of the most successful sports video games of all time, and was a best-selling author. Most of all, he was the preeminent television sports analyst for most of his three decades, calling games, winning an unprecedented 16 Emmy Awards, for outstanding sports analyst personality and covering 11 Super Bowls for four networks from 79 to 2009. This was something Madden said when he in his Hall of Fame speech. People always ask, are you a coach or a broadcaster or a video game guy? And he said, I'm a coach, always been a coach. You know, as long as I can remember, I think he started about the time I really started getting into football, which was... 78, 79. I think he started in 79. That was something on Sunday afternoons that you knew if you heard him him and Pat Summerall talking, this was the big game of the week. That was the crew. That was, you know, forget. You know, and no offense to these other guys, no offense to Tony Romo and Jim Nance or any, any of these other duos. I'm not going to go throw Chris Collinsworth's name there. I'm sorry, Al Michaels. I love Al Michaels, but I can't throw you in there. This was the <clears> – I'd put them to this one. Dick Enberg, Merlin Olson, Pat Summerall with John Madden. That was the voices of my youth when I went to listen to football on Sunday afternoon, NBC and CBS. And – you know, it it was how many Redskins games did, did you watch on CBS? Because you know that was pretty much what CBS covered when the Redskins got hot. Summerall and Madden, and Summerall probably blasted in there, but Madden. I mean, you had to love the guy, and and still 
when I watch these documentaries about when he was a coach of the Raiders and how much he didn't like the Steelers, it doesn't bother me. Because, I mean, I, I listened to the guy talk and I listened to him. He's so He was so knowledgeable. And he was just a guy that you could relate to, the everyday fan could relate to, because he made it so simple how he explained things to you with the, with the Telestrator, uh, with the All Madden team. And, you know, and I didn't find out. I always wondered why he left coaching. And it was basically mainly because he was scared to fly. And, you know, whenever he went to a game, you always saw the Madden Cruiser. He, he never flew. He had that big bus that he rode. You know, <laughs> the last game he called was, what, Super Bowl, was it 43 in Arizona? Arizona and Pittsburgh, 2009, when Pittsburgh beat, yeah, I'm throwing that in there. Pittsburgh beat Arizona 27-23 in the last minute. That's, you know, that's, he went out with a Super Bowl. And, I mean, he didn't, of course, he didn't win it, but he went out covering a Super Bowl, and I think that's the way he wanted to. You didn't see a whole lot of him in public. You know, you saw him at his Hall of Fame speech, of course, but you didn't see a whole lot of him in public, which, and I think he kept kind of to himself. I'm wondering what happened. I don't know if it was heart attack or something, but, you know, he was the greatest. If you look at NFL football and you think of NFL football and you're somebody my age, which 48, you think of John Madden, video games, uh, like I said, beer commercials, telestrators, Turkey, turducken. You remember when he did that? <laughs> anyway, he's he's been greatly missed over the years. And there's guys that are great now that I enjoy listening to. I still love Al Michaels, and I, I enjoy listening to Tony Romo. But there's never going to be another John Madden. And, you know, I, I just – all of us here at the final score – Certainly send out our condolences and our prayers to, to his family. And just, I mean, what can you say? Rest in peace, John Madden. Sorry, NFL news. Like we said, COVID is rearing its ugly head again, and it's hitting the NFL hard. We've had a lot of teams... Uh, have have players go down of which uh, what Huntley the backup quarterback for the Ravens went was out this week with it they went to their third string quarterback which was signed just what this past week Ravens you know you're not going to get any sympathy from me but you have had a lot of uh, a lot of injuries and, and stuff like that but guess what that's part of the game if when Pittsburgh had injuries and stuff like that, y'all were saying the same thing to us. It's part of the game. Deal with it. Stop whining, Harbaugh. But COVID definitely, you know, Bruce Arians, coach for the Buccaneers, he's tested positive. Carson Wentz, paper MVP, he's tested positive. 
uh, Mike Evans, just to name a few. And uh, you don't think this it's, it's coming down to playoff time and a lot of these guys are, are, uh, are out. And, you know, it's, 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 I'm not saying it's, it's, not, it's not that big of a deal when you, when you look at the big picture. I hope these guys are all right. I hope these guys. Uh, hope these guys are able to get healthy again. But you know, it's affecting the. It may be affecting the uh, the playoff race here shortly. You know, when you miss a lot of these guys, look at the Browns. Browns missed a lot. I think this is twice that their head coach Stefanski's been out with it. When he out in the playoffs last year, first round of the playoffs, and then now out now. But talking about Carson Wentz being out, it's funny. We talked about a few weeks ago about the Saints calling Philip Rivers when uh, Jameis Winston went down. When Carson Wentz went down. With was diagnosed. Indianapolis coach, head coach Frank Wright admitted he's been in contact with Philip Rivers, but said Sam Elger will start in Week 17 if he, if Wentz can't come off the COVID-19 list. If Wentz clears his fifth day, that would be Sunday, and in theory he would be available for the game if he clears. Wright said he will be in meetings virtual, so if he does clear, he can play. At this point, Sam is our starter. I'm excited for Sam. The uncertainty surrounding Wentz sparked discussion about the possibility of Rivers coming out of retirement to play for his old club. While Wright confirmed talking to the 40-year-old, he noted he had nothing to report. You know, guys, I'm close to him, Wright said. We talked all year long. Did talk to him fairly recently. He was on vacation with his family. I've talked to him about our situation here, but nothing to report and no other further comment at this point. I don't think Rivers will come back right now. Uh, but Stranger things have happened. With and with Rivers being just just came out of the same system, retiring from the Colts last year, it would be a good fit. The Saints should have picked him up. But whether that would, you know, Sean Payton had other ideas, and now he's paying for it. So <clears throat> a few weeks last week, we talked about Tom Brady. And how frustrated he was at the Saints game about the Saints were handing him another one. So, <laughs> guess what the GOAT did? GOAT throws a tablet. And the NFL apparently did not like that. NFL, and I'm doing air quotes here, warned Brady about throwing, breaking a tablet. You know, <laughs> Brady said, I did get a warning from the NFL. I can't throw another surface or else I get fined. Imagine that. Imagine that. Brady also said he apologized to the league after the incident. I won't throw another surface, although I think it was pretty good Marketing for the surface at the end of the day. I think it worked out pretty well for him. 
yeah, everything, the, the clip of him doing that went viral, so he got a lot of uh, free publicity for Surface. But, yeah, imagine that. Tom Brady gets warned about something doing wrong. <laughs> so the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, we, we've talked about before. The uh, <laughs> short saga of Urban Meyer. Yeah, Urban Meyer is now out, and I'm sure there'll be other things to come. We'll hear some more about that. I don't think uh, I don't think the whole saga is because I think we talked about the Jaguars were not going to pay him. Said they're not going to pay him this contract because it was just cause for him to get fired. So I'm sure he'll be fighting that. But they are looking for a coach. And they've started requesting interviews. And one of them is with a former Jaguars player. He's currently the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Byron Leftwich, um, among others. Another one is defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, Todd Bowles. Interviewed, they want to interview with Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore and defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Also, it, it, Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus, Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, and Super Bowl winning former Philadelphia Eagles coach Doug Peterson. There's a name you haven't heard in a while. Uh, I know he said he was going to take some time off, but does, if I had to pick a front runner here, I would think it would come between Peterson and Leftwich. I think they would want to get left with just because of his ties to Jacksonville. He, he was pretty successful there, which he gave way to David Garrard. But he had, he had a few good years there at Jacksonville. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see it. And, of course, you know Black Money's coming up soon. It's right around the corner, another two weeks, and we'll be seeing uh, how many how – many coaches get asked. Maybe we'll talk about who we think is on the hot seat next week. There's a lot of them on the hot seat right now. But, you know, some of these guys, What what is the time period for a coach now? I mean, you know, we know the, the time period for a rookie quarterback that's been drafted high has changed. It, you could be drafted in the top five as a quarterback and have a bad year. And there's another quarterback coming out. We proved that with Kyler Murray. And who, and who was the other guy that was there before him? Can't remember his name. And that's a, that's a good point. They didn't used to get four or five, three or four years at least with a rookie quarterback. And if he didn't start making strides, then you let him go. You, he was considered a bust. But what is the, what is the current time span for a coach now? I mean, three, four years, or Urban Meyer, <laughs> uh, 13 games. So it, it should be interesting to see who's on the hot seat this year. All right, let's do our recap. Week, I think it's week 16 now. Uh, was it week 15 that we're recapping? Hold on a second. Week, 
Week 16. We're recapping week 16. Thursday night game, December 23rd. Two teams that are right in the playoff mix right now. The Tennessee Titans coming off an embarrassing loss to Pittsburgh where they blew it with four turnovers in the second half, giving Pittsburgh the win. 49ers who have been playing good ball and need need to keep pace in the NFC. And what happened? 49ers blow a 10-0 halftime lead and end up losing 20-17 to the Titans. You know, and I, and I think I put a kiss of death on, on San Francisco because I think last week I was saying, watch out for San Francisco. Yeah, the, the final score, kiss of death, strikes again because if I talk bad about one of them, and we'll get to that in just a few minutes, uh, they, they, they start playing well. If I talk good about them, they – so best bet – don't let me talk about your team. Um, Debo Samuel in a losing effort, nine catches, 159 yards. A.J. Brown getting back to his, his uh, Pro Bowl stature, 11 catches, 145 yards, one TD. As the Titans keep first place in the AFC South, 10-5, and 49ers dropped 8-7-3rd in the NFC West. So let's see the Saturday game. We have some – we did have some Saturday games this week. Christmas Day, two games. The Browns and the Packers. And I'm going to tell you something. As good as, as the Packers are, they are getting just getting by a lot of these games by the skin of their teeth. They can build up a lead, and then they let these teams get back in it. Baltimore the week before. If Harbaugh, Lord, you know, and that's uh, if is a big, the biggest two-letter word out there. But if Harbaugh kicks the extra point and ties the game goes to overtime, there's a chance they may win that game. But we all know how that went. The Browns get Baker Mayfield back, get a lot of guys back. And let me tell you another thing, too, about, about the Packers. Their defense is a bend, don't break defense. They cannot stop the run. Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 126 yards, a touchdown. But i tell you what helped the Packers. Three Baker Mayfield interceptions in the first half that they scored three touchdowns off of to give them a 21-12 halftime lead. And then... They held on at the end. Baker Mayfield throws an interception about at midfield to end the game. Baker Mayfield's struggling right now, guys. He, he may not be the answer to Cleveland after all. 222 yards, two TDs, four picks. Rodgers has that okay game. And this is sad. We'll say an okay game. 202 yards, three TDs, no picks. Packers go to 12-3, and three, first in the NFC North. Pretty much clinching the North. Browns go to seven and eight, fourth in the AFC North, and the Packers did clinch the North, but the Browns did last in the AFC North now, and they could have been first. I think any week now, 
one team in the AFC can go to from in the AFC North can go from fourth to first just like that. So the other Sunday night game, the nightcap, Colts and the Cardinals. Cardinals have been exposed. I don't know what the problem is there. J.J. Watt is out. He's been out. I don't know if that's got something to do with it. Um, but they're struggling. After starting out 7-0, they've gone 3-5 and five since. And it's not looking good. I mean, they're not, they're not looking good at all. But I'll tell you who is looking good. It's the Indianapolis Colts. And I have to give it. Paper MVP has become a good game manager. He's letting Jonathan Taylor, who should be MVP right now. I don't care what you say about Brady. I don't care what you say about Rodgers. This guy is is doing it. I mean, he could be the first MVP since as a running back since Adrian Peterson, I think it was 2012, but and I think he deserves it. But Colts just, just put it on him and held on at the end with a 22-16 win to try it. And that's a big win. They stay one game behind the, the Titans in the AFC South. Cardinals fall to second now in the NFC West. Ten and five. Colts are nine and six. Carson Wentz, two hundred twenty-five yards, two TDs, no picks. Jonathan Taylor, twenty-seven carries, another hundred-yard game, one hundred eight yards. As the Colts get the win. Sunday games, Lions and Falcons. We won't talk long about it, even though, believe it or not. The Falcons are still in the NFC playoff race. At seven and well, they were seven, eight, six, a little up. They were six and eight before coming in. After this game, Jared Goff goes out with an injury, uh, but it's a it's a tough game for for Detroit. Um, they they hung tight as they did a lot of the games these this year with them. But they lose to the Falcons 20-16. to Tim Boyle comes in at quarterback after Jared Goff gets hurt. Uh, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan, 18 for 24, 215 yards, one TD, no interceptions. Kyle Pitts, rookie tight end, six catches, 102 yards as the Falcons get the win to stay in the playoff hunt. Lions. Right there in the thick of the number one draft pick at two twelve and one, and that that tie, like we said, could end up hurting the Lions with the draft pick. All right, Giants and the Eagles, man, you don't want to hear about this. The Eagles in a romp, thirty four to ten. Uh, Eagles staying hot, staying in that playoff race in the NFC as well. In a game that could decide the number one draft pick, battle of First-round quarterbacks, the Jets with Josh Wilson and the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence. As the Jets get the win, pretty much the difference in this game was a, uh, a kick return. And I'm going to try to say this guy's name. Hold up, bear with me. I'm going to try not to butcher it. I apologize to him if he's looking. Barrios. Barrios was that 120. 102-yard touchdown return. That's pretty much Braxton Berrios. 
that's pretty much the difference in the game. As the Jets get the win, 26-21, uh, Jaguars are now 2-13. and Jets will go to 4-11. and So that could be the key. We could have just seen, could come down now to just Jacksonville, Detroit for the number one draft pick. All right, who is next? Who we got here next? The Chargers and the Texans. Talking about a letdown. Austin Eckler's out with COVID. And I don't know what to say about the Chargers. What do you say about the Chargers? Chargers are just one of those teams that can do something and beat somebody like the Chiefs. And have the Chiefs on the road make you think, this is a team, they're going to be all right. And then come out and lay a stinker of a game against the Texans. Davis Mills. <laughs> My buddy up there in Texas covering the Texans. Uh, Adam will appreciate this. Davis Mills, the era begins 21 for 27, 254 yards, two TDs, no picks. Justin Herbert, 336 yards, one TD, two interceptions. As the Texans get the win, 41 to 29. Don't know what to think about the Chargers. Eight and seven now. They may not even make the playoffs now. And this was a team I was thinking could give the, and I still think they can. They played down to their competition. This is Pittsburgh Steelers. They played down to their competition. If you got, you could. Sit there and play against a team that's undefeated and play them and keep them on the ropes, maybe even upset them, and then come back the next week to a team that's won one game and lose. Houston scores 24 points in the fourth quarter. Outscores 38 total points in the fourth quarter in this game. Houston gets a win 41 29. They go to 4 11. Chargers fall to eight and seven. Buccaneers and the Panthers, another just you don't even want to talk. Tampa Bay dealing with a lot of people out. Goodwin's out. Evans is out. Fournette's out. Uh, I want to say they had a linebacker get hurt in this game. That's probably out for the rest of the season. Probably could be back for the playoffs. But they get the win over Carolina, thirty-two-six. Speaking of hot seats, Rule is on the hot seat. I know he's been there, what, two years now? Is this his second or third year? He's on the hot seat. No doubt about it. You, you're, you're putting a two-quarterback system, which Cam Newton, I watched this game. I watched, actually watched this game today. I DVR'd it, and I watched it today. Something is, I mean, I know he's getting older. No doubt about it. But there's something different about Cam Newton. You know, Cam Newton would take off and run, and now he's. it looks like he's become more of a pocket passer and just wants to throw the ball and not run. And I think the final count that I saw when I was watching this game was seven sacks, which all of them weren't against Cam Newton. Sam Darnold was in there too. But Donald looked better than Newton, in my opinion. Carolina's got a lot of work to do. They've got a lot of work to do. Uh, Tampa Bay 
with that win, and I think the I think that win clinched the uh, NFC South for them. It's the first time they won it in since what 2008, I think. I'm, don't quote me on that, but I think it was 2008 is what they said. Believe it or not, Brady didn't win it last year with them. Next game up, a big AFC East matchup: Buffalo and the Patriots. This is. For all intents and purposes, first place right here. At New England, you know, Patriots beat Buffalo with, what, they ran the ball 95% of the time in that game. Uh, and that was a game that was so so much bad weather. You had to wonder, though, is, is, uh, is a little – what we called Mac Jones playing so well. That's another thing I did. Talked about how well Mac Jones was playing. He was for real. Yeah, he's come down to earth. He came down to earth in this game, 14 for 32, 145 yards, no TDs, two interceptions, a passer rating of 31.4. Didn't, didn't look – he didn't look comfortable in the pocket. And he took off a lot. He made a, some bad decisions, and he got away with some. But you know, this today, this game was was all about Josh Allen and Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, they just had monster. Isaiah McKenzie, eleven catches, one hundred twenty-five yards, and a touchdown. Josh Allen goes for three hundred fourteen yards, three TDs, no picks. As the Bills get the win, thirty-three twenty-one. Did you see? <laughs> oh, what's his name? Stefan Diggs. Ain't that his name? Catch a touchdown and, and start pointing fingers at the Patriots fans. And I've heard what he said. We can't repeat what was said, but I've heard some things he may have said. You Patriot fans out there, you can uh, fill me in on that, what, what he was saying. But the Bills, that's a big win for the Bills. Now it's going to – this AFC East run and the AFC North run for the title could be the most interesting in football these last couple of weeks. Next up, the Rams and the Vikings. Rams take over first place in the, in the NFC West with the win over the Vikings – 30 to 23. Um, Adam Thielen. You know, he came back from that high ankle sprain, and just like that, he was out. You know, there, of course, the Vikings were without uh, Dalvin Cook. That's a big part. He, he He's a big part of their offense. That didn't help things, but Kirk Cousins tried to make up the slack 315 yards. One TD, one interception. Matthew Stafford did not have a good game. 197 yards, one TD, three picks. But the Rams win despite all that. Sony Michelle, 27 carries, 131 yards on a touchdown. Cooper Cup, who could win MVP as well, 10 catches, 109 yards. As the Rams extend their lead over the Cardinals, they're 11 and 4 first in the NFC West, the Vikings 7 and 8 second in the NFC North. All right. 
Bears and Seahawks. What have I said? And me and Lynn have talked about it in this on this podcast for a long time. <clears throat> you get something special when you get Nick Foles in December and January and February. You get something special. And Nick Foles has gone from the to the Jaguars now now with the Bears. Leads a comeback in the fourth quarter. I think they were down, let's see. 24 to 14. He leads a comeback. Gets a gets a field goal to get them within uh within seven. And then leads them down the field again and goes for two and gets it. Gets the two-point conversion to win the game. The Bears get a 25-24 win over the Seahawks. Nick Foles, 24 for 35, 250 yards, one TD, no picks. Russell Wilson, 181 yards, two TDs, no pick. Rashad Penny keeps playing some great football. Watch out for this guy. 17 carries, 135 yards, a touchdown, but the Seahawks lose. Both teams go to 5-10. and 10. Bears are third in the NFC North. Seahawks fourth in the NFC West. Ravens and the Bengals. <laughs> I'm doing my Burt Reynolds laugh. You hadn't noticed. I do not like either team, but... To me, the lesser of two evils is the Cincinnati Bengals. I despise, I should tell you how much I despise the Ravens. Josh Johnson comes to the Ravens that week and doesn't do a bad job, to tell you the truth. I mean, he looked kind of dancing around a little bit at times, but 28 for 40, 304 yards, two TDs and a pick. But I'm going to tell you this. Baltimore's defense is not Baltimore defense old. They've been ravaged by injuries, COVID, whatever you want to say. They are not the Baltimore Ravens defense old. Gives up 21 points in the second quarter, 31 in the, in the first half. Joe Burrow lights them up, 37 for 46, 525 yards and four TDs with 143.2 passer rating. A lot of his catches were T. Higg was T. Higgins, twelve catches, one hundred ninety-four yards, two TDs. Mark Andrews and I love this Mark Andrews guy. I know he's a Raven, but man, this guy plays hard and he plays like I like him to see a player. Mark Andrews has not let the quarterback situation mess him up. Eight catches, one hundred twenty-five yards, one TD. But Ravens are just—I don't know. It wasn't the offense. Third down conversions. Baltimore was 6 for 11. Not bad. They were staying on the field. I'm looking at, you know, 334 yards. I think Cincinnati just had a better better game that day. Cincinnati, 9-6. First in the AFC North. Baltimore probably 8-7. Second in the AFC North. 41-21. 20-point loss. The Bengals, Bengals whipped up on them. I want to say they scored like 83 points combined in both games against the Ravens. And this was before a lot of your uh, players got hurt, Ravens fan. 
Broncos and Raiders. I mean, Las Vegas is still still in the playoff picture. Denver kind of sort of in the playoff picture. But the Raiders get the 17-13 win. Drew Locke. What happened to Drew Locke? Here he was. This He was finally the answer with the quarterback carousel that existed in Denver. I'm going to tell you this. I think it had something to do with his, his injury last year. When he got injured against Pittsburgh, I want to say it was a shoulder injury. I think that's got a lot to do with how he's playing now. I don't think he's got confidence. They Plus, they bring in Bridgewater. I just don't think he's got the confidence anymore. Denver falls to 7-8, and eight, fourth in the AFC West. The Raiders are 8-7, third in the AFC West. So now that gets me to the last two games of Sunday. And this is not one I'm looking forward to talking about. Steelers and the Chiefs. And I pretty much figured this was going to be a bad game for the Steelers. And I was right. It started off bad. 23 to nothing at halftime. Pittsburgh scores 10 in the second half. But just didn't look. And I hate to say it like this. It didn't look prepared or motivated. Roethlisberger's out there giving everything he's got. Najee Harris is giving everything he got. He finished with 93 yards rushing. But it just doesn't look like. The, and what has happened to, to our defense? I know we had some guys out. But we just look like we're lollygagging to the boat. This is not, like I said about the Ravens defense earlier, this is not your Pittsburgh Steelers defense of old. It, it, it was not good. Mahomes, gold jacket, 258 yards, three TDs, no picks. Roethlisberger, 159 yards of TD and a pick. But Steelers get mauled 36-10 at Arrowhead. Chiefs stay first in the AFC West, 11-4. Steelers third in the AFC North, clinging to a chance at the playoffs at 7-7-1. Let's go to the Sunday night game. NFC East matchup at Texas. And it was, it was a matchup for about two seconds. Cowboys, you know, and this was something we talked about last week too. Cowboys with that win, what was it, a 12-point win over the Giants? I'm like, you beat the Giants with their third-string quarterback in pretty much. And it wasn't a blowout. The offense didn't put up big numbers, but, man, did they make up for it. <laughs> they sure made up for it. 42-7 to, 42 to at halftime. Ends up being 56-14. Defense was all over Taylor Heineke. 121 yards, one TD, two picks. Prescott, 330 yards, four TDs, no picks. And the Cowboys, I mean... This game looked like, and I know they're playing Washington. Washington's not the greatest team out there. Uh, but the offense put up numbers today. That's what I was looking for with Cowboys. The offense put up numbers, 56-14. Dallas just destroys Washington. You know, I heard my buddy 
Brandon Bailey talking on his about that Washington should just cease to exist. Don't count them out yet. Where's Washington's defense? I know Chase Young's out for the year. He's hurt. But their defense gives up 56 points. Riverwood Ron, you may need to you may need to have a come to Jesus meeting with uh, some of these guys. All right, Monday night game: Saints and the Dolphins. And there's a lot. I think Taysom Hill's out. There's some other guys out. Saints and the Dolphins are red hot. Dolphins started out and did look back with a pick six. To start to start the scoring um, and just dominate the Saints 20 to 3. Ian Book getting his first star star as a rookie, rookie out of Notre Dame, 12 for 20, 135 yards, two picks, two attack of Valoa, 198 yards T D and an interception. Kamar's just not putting up numbers either. 13 carries, 52 yards, no TDs. But the Dolphins get the win 20-3. First team to start off losing seven in a row and then to come back with a seven-game win streak. First team in NFL history. All right. Dolphins go to 8-7, third in the AFC East. Saints go to 7-8, third in the AFC South. Okay, so that's our recap from week 16. Week 16, 17, excuse me. No Thursday night games this week. All Sunday and Monday games. Vikings at Packers. That's your Sunday night game. I think the Vikings are not going to win this game. I think the Packers get the win. I, some people are saying the Vikings will upset them. They're division rivals. I think Green Bay puts them away, especially at Lambeau Field. Dolphins and the Titans. I'm going Dolphins on this one. Dolphins are hot right now. That'll give the Titans a little bit of, uh, you know, not the Titans, but the Colts a little bit of a chance. Jaguars and Patriots. Whenever you want to get back on track, schedule Jacksonville for that next game. Patriots in a romp at New England. Buffalo and Falcons. I think Buffalo keeps up. Keep something going. I think they're going to be hot the last part of the year. Colts and Raiders, no wins. Uh, I'm going Raiders on this one. Buccaneers and Jets. Tampa Bay here. Philadelphia and Washington football team. At Washington. I'm going to go Eagles on this one. Rams and the Ravens. Going to Rams. Giants and the Bears, the Bears, Chiefs and the Bengals. I'm going to go Bengals at Cincinnati. I'm going to go Bengals. Texans and 49ers. Woo, 49ers there. Broncos and Chargers. I think the Chargers get back on track and beat the Broncos. And then Cardinals and Cowboys. Got to go with the Cowboys on that one. Sorry, Cardinal fans. Y'all Y'all got to prove it to me before I'll pick you again. Seattle and Detroit going to Seattle. Panthers and Saints. I'm going New Orleans. And then the Monday night game. What possibly could be Big Ben's last home game in Pittsburgh. Because 
I'm hearing rumors that he has called close friends, former teammates, and close family to be at the game because this could be his final home game as a Steeler. Um, I'm going with just the emotion of that. I'm going Pittsburgh on this one. All right. Final score. Player of the week, Joe Burrow. I mean, the guy had over 500 yards passing, four TDs, and he was just making things happen against the Ravens. I watched that game today, too. Um, Ravens secondary is horrible. Horrible. But you got to keep playing. Just because I say they're horrible don't mean, well, we – we don't want to go into overtime because our defensive backs, we don't have any. Give me a break, Harbaugh. Joe Burrow is the first ever final score player of the week. I know he is. Uh, he's happy to hear that. And, uh, you know, we'll be sending his trophy in the mail soon. This week in 1986, The wild card games took place on December 28th, which was uh, 20, was it 25, 35 years ago. 35 years ago, this yesterday. The Jets take on the Chiefs. And, you know, this, is, this just takes me away. This is something we're going to have to start doing on the foul score. The Jets get to win 35 to 15. In the wild card game against the Chiefs. Who was coaching the Jets? Joe Walton, who goes on to be the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator. Um, looking at the quarterbacks here, who were the big stars of this game? Freeman McNeil for the Jets. That's a get that's a name you don't hear a whole lot of. Uh, Freeman McNeil was a good running back, though. I remember I do remember him. War number twenty four. 31 carries, 135 yards, one touchdown. Pat Ryan, three TD passes, 153 yards. You had some great names up there. Listen to these wide receivers. Al Toon, Wesley Walker. Wesley Walker was one of the most underrated wide receivers in football back then. Todd Blackledge was the starting quarterback for Kansas City. Hell, I guess he was. He may have went in for Bill Kenny. Bill Kenny was the other quarterback, but uh, I think Blackledge started and Kenny came in because Blackledge goes 12 for 21, two interceptions, two sacks, and I think Kenny must have came in for relief. But 35 to 15. And then this was back when they only had one wild card game. The Rams and the Redskins. Yes, they were the Redskins back then, and I'm going to call them the Redskins. Redskins get a 19-7 win over the Rams. Wild card team at 12-4. Redskins were coached by legendary Joe Gibbs, Coach John Robinson for the Rams. Rams didn't score to the fourth quarter. Redskins, looking at, let's see, Kelvin Bryant, local guy, Tarboro. He's on our face, on one of the Facebook pages. But, yeah, Kelvin Bryant has a the only touchdown the Redskins score, uh, along with four Jess Atkins field goal as they get the win, 19-7 to and move on. Jim Everett, check that, Chris Everett. <laughs> 
you got to know about that. We'll have to put that on the final score group page. He finishes 136 yards, one TD, two interceptions. Eric Dixon, 26 carries for 158 yards, but no TDs. But the Redskins, Jay Schrader, 90 yards passing, one touchdown. And then I'm looking at who had the big game. George Rogers, 29 carries, 115 yards. Kelvin Bryant finishes with a, a touchdown, receiving touchdown as the Redskins get the win and move on in the playoffs. On this day, 35 years ago. So, playoff scenario. Playoffs? We talking about the playoffs? One of the best clips ever. All right, let's start with the AFC. Seven teams. Right now, the number one seed is the Chiefs. Number two is the Titans. Number three is the Bengals. Four is the Bills. Colts coming in at fifth. Patriots sixth. Dolphins at seventh. On the brink, the Ravens, Chargers, Raiders, Steelers, Browns, and Broncos. So, right now, if it started today, of course, the first seed gets a bye. So, the Chiefs would have a bye. Titans would take on the Dolphins. Bengals and Patriots, Bills and Colts. Some interesting matches up there. I think I like that Bills and Colts matchup. Now, on the NFC side, number one seed, Green Bay Packers. Number two, Cowboys. Three, Rams. Four, Buccaneers. Five, Cardinals. Six, 49ers. And seven, Eagles. On the brink of the Vikings, Falcons, Saints, and Washington. But right now, if it started today, Cowboys and Eagles would match up with the Packers getting the first round by. Rams and 49ers, that's an old-school NFC West matchup there. Buccaneers and Cardinals. So, yeah, it looks like could get interesting here. That's your playoff scenario. Of course, we talked about the uh, we talked about the draft pick right now. If you look, let's look at these standings. The Lions at two twelve and one. The Jaguars at two and thirteen are the front runners with the Texans. Four and eleven, and then the Panthers at five and ten officially out of the race. So that's your playoff scenario, guys. That's going to do it for the final score this week. I hope you guys have enjoyed. Give me a like. Give me a subscribe to me. Give me a five star review. I'm on Podchaser, Good Pods. Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you name it. I'm on wherever you go to listen to your podcast. Check it out and give me one of those five-star reviews, please. That would be a great Christmas present for me. Guys, that's going to do it for this week. We'll talk more NFL news next week. We'll get a, we'll probably have a clearer look at the playoffs next week once, once we come back. Anyway, guys, and then we'll talk about college football playoffs, national championship game. We'll know who's doing it next week. And uh, you guys have a great week.